Hello everyone, welcome to Hashtag No Events. I'm Lisa and today we're talking about wedding wounds. And I'm on this vibe because I've been going to a few weddings recently and I'm thinking of my own four years ago and I'm nostalgic. So this is my personal opinion about weddings. Now weddings, I feel, are you paying to be disappointed and to realise just how disappointed your family members are at you and you need to remember people they'll be fake caring about your wedding whether you like it or not your wedding will be causing people anxiety people are going to have to overcome fears to be able to attend your wedding like public speaking for example and if you're a bridesmaid being insecure in the designated dress It is sod's law that all bridesmaids hate their dress. My bridesmaids hated their bridesmaid dress so much they all got changed out of the dress as soon as it was time for the reception. And I can say I'm not even sure if they got changed for the better. One of my bridesmaids got changed into a big baggy grey hoodie and baggy boyfriend style jeans and also took all of her makeup off. I had another one of my guests at my wedding confront her as the other guest thought she was a drifter trying to score food and booze and my older brother actually introduced himself because he thought he'd never met her but you know it was my bridesmaid he'd met her millions of times before. The dress I chose wasn't that bad okay I mean, of course, I don't want these bitches looking hotter than me. That's a given. But I'm not cruel. And I don't even speak to two of my bridesmaids anymore. I had four for the record. When you're getting married, you start to look at people through rose-tinted glasses. You're like, you slept with my ex and she gaslights me. But you know what? It'll look good in pictures. And I really don't have time to make new friends. And that sounds like a lot of work. Oh, also my dad's speech. Yes. Uh, So my dad started talking about how I could always get divorced during his speech. Um, And then he actually got heckled by one of my friend's boyfriends at the time. Yes, this was a can the ground swallow me moment. But, you know, my dad is one of eight children from an Irish Catholic woman. So I guess he doesn't know what love is and he's a bit conflicted. Most of my wedding guests were gone by 10.30pm. Weddings are over at Cinderella time, so like 12. I couldn't believe that people were going home at 10.30pm. I'm getting my party on. So I took it as a challenge to get all of my guests' alcohol's money worth. And safe to say, I actually did not consummate my wedding because of this. Why bother? Your money's worth is the only thing that was on my mind that day. It's an expensive day. Don't worry, my man usually gets serviced. No blue balls there. He couldn't be bothered either. In fact... My husband is the one that fakes the headaches in this relationship. 
I'm like the stalker that actually got to marry who they were stalking. And honestly, I think sometimes it's off-putting to my husband. That bitch is way too easy. From what I hear, most women punish their men with their pussies. E.g., I resent you, so I will not give you any of my pussy. I'm not like that. I have to put it to the side. I can bury it. I can bury that deep down. I don't want to deprive myself of maybe having an orgasm. Life is hard enough. I just get drunk, overshare my traumas like a normal person. It's free therapy. You know, you're really cleansing when you wake up the next day with crippling anxiety of everything that you overshared. With the lovely truth serum. So what people are doing now to try and make their weddings that little bit more cheaper, and I'm guilty of it too, is we're having our weddings on a weekday or on a Sunday. So basically there's there's no day off. There's no conventional next day off. You're going to have to book that shit off, okay? And when you're, you know, planning your wedding, it seems like a great idea because you're trying to save you money. But ultimately, if you're realistic, you know, no one really wants to use up their annual leave on you and your day. You know, they are saving their annual leave for big events in their own lives. So, you know, you might have it all this preconception that everyone's going to book the next day off. Just keep in mind that they probably won't. And, you know, you can't be mad at them. You know, you've got to be a bit like Tupac and I am mad at you because, like I said, it's it's your day. You can't think that everyone's going to look at your day through the same perspective as you. You know, they've got their own big days. They've got their own events that they want to do with their life and their time. And if they don't want to book the day off, then, you know, that's cool. But in all honesty, if I can save anyone, any of you out there that haven't got married already, don't do it, okay? Look, I know you're just going to do it anyway because it's one of those things where you have to do it. You you have to, otherwise if you don't, you're going to have that lifelong regret of I should have and oh, mine would have been different and all of this. But, you know, ultimately, no, yours won't be any different, okay? Yours will also be awful. Um, I would just elope and go on an awesome holiday. Go to that destination that you've been wanting to go to forever. Go to Disneyland. You have a really long holiday. Don't pay for a few acquaintances and your Aunt Mildred to eat a fancy meal. And, you know, don't do that. Just go somewhere awesome. Live your life. Don't live to impress anyone. Don't try and keep up appearances. Don't be forced by custom and culture. Just you do you, boo. Okay, now that we've got all that out of the way, and now that you're happily married and you did it however you want or whatever, or peer pressured however you were, or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses however you did or whatever, now I'm going to give you Lisa's 10 commandments lisa's 10 strategies of thinking 
you know, I'm pinching Jordan Peterson's 12 rules of life, but I've just kind of stuck it back to 10, you know, like God's 10 commandments. So now this is like Lisa's 10 commandments. So let's get into it. Number one, there is nothing wrong with mediocrity. We all can't win a race and we all can't be royalty. In today's society, we have this pressure that we're all meant to be really, really awesome and we've all got to strive for the absolute best and we can all do it, man, and believe in yourself. And I'm not opposed to this. Definitely get that momentum, feel that, do that. If, if you've got a sense of direction and you've got a passion and things like that, yeah, go for that. But for the people that don't have any direction, that don't have a bunch of champions like supporting them around them and things like that, and you have no idea what to do with your life and there just doesn't seem to be much opportunity around, then like don't feel bad for it. Like mediocrity is okay. Having a mediocre job, living in the suburbs and having a mediocre car, mediocrity is great. Mediocrity is privilege. And I think people have forgotten that. Everyone, we're all just kind of looking to Hollywood too much in a weird way. Hollywood really does just brainwash the world. We all just really want to have that little taste of, you know, twinkle town in our lives. And designer brands and things like that aren't going to make your life any more fulfilled or enriched or anything like that. You so don't compete in a race that you don't even know why you're in it and what what you're heading for, okay? So mediocrity is fine. Okay, so number two, setting boundaries and modifying and evaluating accordingly. So what I'm saying here is you are in control of your life and your boundaries and where people sit within them, you. And I know we can get really kind of psychologically tied up in that and we can start to think that people have control over us or situations. But, you know, you have to remember that you can extract yourself from any situation. Obviously, try and do it, you know, safely uh, and, you know, financially in your favour. But ultimately, the long term goal can be you set your boundaries and can extract yourself from anything and you tell people how to treat you, you know? I think everyone just needs to stick up for themselves that little bit more. Don't be worried about people not liking you, people spreading shit about you, because that's ultimately what we're worried about. We're worried about if we put some boundaries in place, how's this person going to take that? And who are they going to tell? And what are they going to tell? Because we do know people like to talk shit, don't we? People like to add on to a story. They like to blow it up. They like villains. They love life to be a bit like a Disney movie, you know? So don't worry about those people. The true people, they know what's shit and what isn't. And, you know, the truth shall set you free. So, yeah, set your boundaries. Number three, learn to be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay. Because we're all human. We've all not been okay at one point, or we're all going to not be okay at one point. 
So we all recognize that. Don't beat yourself up about being vulnerable. You know, open up to people. I mean, don't be telling every Tom, Dick and Harry life story. Needs you to be honest with yourself and then everyone around you so that they can help you. Number four, be careful how you talk about people to other people. Because if you're talking a load of smack about someone, people are going to presume that you that you talk smack about them. Okay? I mean, we're talking about gossip here. Gossip can have its place in terms of, you know, with the perspective of gossip. If you're sharing a story about someone in terms for someone else to learn something from it, and there's a moral of the story, um, and there were some groundbreaking things that happened, and we can all have a, oh, okay, moment from it, then I don't see that as gossip, you know, especially if the person's quite open. Like, you know, I'm very open and honest with a lot of my stories, and I'm happy for people to tell the stories I tell people to other people if it gives them some positive use. If I'm just maliciously talking about someone and it's absolutely not serving anyone and it's just negative, well, then I wouldn't do it. But if if there's something that we can learn from it or it's going to change um, the trajectory of how we're going to do something, then, you know, you need to speak about it. What I always say about abuse, being silent breeds abuse. Well, sometimes we need to talk about things. We need to talk about people. We need to get other people's perspective on what's happening with that person. How are they treating this person? I think it you know, really just depends on what you're gossiping about. Ultimately, I think if you're just sharing information that other people could benefit from in their life, then that then it isn't gossip. But be careful how you talk about people. Five, it's okay if you're traumatized from your past but it's your responsibility to commit to your continuous healing. So you're never healed. You're never completely healed. No one is. That's something that you're always going to have to work on in life. And then you might have healed one thing and then something else has happened to you because this is a long run, okay, guys? This is a long life journey and things don't stop happening to you. So you might have, like I said, sorted one issue out and now you've got another issue. Your number one job is to recognize your traumas and then you're in charge of healing them. And, you know, trauma, when I say the word trauma, it doesn't even necessarily have to be something that was absolutely catastrophic. Everyone's trauma is completely different to each other. Um, Someone might have been bit by a dog when they were younger. It might have been the most minuscule little bite, but now they're absolutely petrified of dogs and things like that. So I'm just using that as an example. Whereas to another person that that wouldn't affect them they'd be like oh how are you traumatized from that that seems very petty so we've all got our own trauma and it all affects us all differently and we can't poo poo on each other's trauma you know like i my trauma is more than yours it's not a competition that you want to win okay you don't want to (laughs) have my traumas worse than yours we've all just got to help each other through it okay what they can do to help you because otherwise it's just going to be a big, long, vicious cycle and you, you're never going to heal. You need to keep working continuously on your healing and try different things all the time. Okay, number six, learn when you're having a gut feeling and then always listen to your gut feeling. There's been times when 
So if something doesn't feel right and you just don't want to do something, then don't. So always go with your gut feeling. Number seven, don't invite people to pity parties. They won't come. They don't want your invite. We can all get very guilty of of falling into that trap where we start to feel really sorry for ourselves and, oh, this could have done better. I could have done better. They could have done better. There's no point thinking like that. I mean, you can use that information, you know, that you're feeling sad with your pity party. You could definitely use that, use it in a positive way. Use it to, okay, because I'm feeling sad about X, Y, and Z, now I've learned that these are my boundaries. So that's a good thing. So because you were sad and all this stuff happened, now you've got a boundary and you and you and you're going to honor that boundary. So that's a good thing. Also with pity parties. Oh, so just no one wants to be at a pity party. You know, everyone's got their own problems. So when you're moaning about your problems, it, it really is an energy. You can be sad, obviously. You can have bad things happen and you want to talk to your friends and stuff like that. That's not a pity party. But when you're continuously playing the same tune of your pity party, it's the same pity party theme song, you're not learning and you're not making changes and you're just feeling really sorry for yourself and you're just not positive at all, then that really, you're lowering your vibration. You're lowering everyone's vibration and that's not cool, man. No pity parties. Just have your self-realizations of what's made you sad and then try and work on what can make you feel better, what you can do. And it's going to be a long journey, but there's definitely, there's always positives and there's always things to be thankful. When you're having a pity party, you need to practice gratitude and you need to ground yourself and you need to look for things that are going to make you happy in terms that you've got something to look forward to. You need to connect with likewise people, like-minded people. And that will help you on your journey to getting out of your pity party pit. Okay, number eight. What people think of you is none of your business. Ultimately, you have to live your life. No one else does. So they can't really comprehend what that feels like for you because they're not you. So people are always going to put their two cents in and tell you what they think you should do, how they think you should have handled things. And yada, 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 yada. But ultimately, you are in your body. You are controlling your vessel. And you're the one that has to turn up every day. So how do you feel about that? You know, there's people that get jobs. You know, it sounds all great on paper. It sounds great telling people about it. It sounds like a really good gig. But then when you're the person that's got to turn up to it every day and it really isn't all it's cracked up to be, then, you know, you don't want to be living your life just because something sounded good to other people. And and then you feel guilty that you've just got to... I'm I'm basically explaining my life here. So don't accept jobs that you don't want just because you feel that you should. If you're happy being a cleaner, do that. You don't have to have a job will give you self-worth the sense of self-worth where you think oh well I'm this therefore I will be respected and people will be impressed no no don't worry about that people really don't care what you do for a living no one cares you're the one that has to turn up every day and get dressed and and go there and how do you feel about that so ultimately 
It's how you feel about your life, not anyone else. They're not going to be with you for the whole journey. They don't care. They've got their own journey going on. Number nine, tribe is vibe. So it's really important. The people that you have around you are so important. They are going to be the driving force of your life. If you have really crappy friends, like I'm talking crappy, like I've heard some crap friends. There's some there's some friends that would be sleeping with your man, having a baby with your man. There's, there's, there's these friends out there. These so-called friends are out there. It's people with no emotional intelligence at all. Okay. Don't be friends with these people. And you're probably friends with these people, boredom, you know, maybe you just grew up with these people and you've been friends with them for years and it's hard to let go or I don't know. There's a million reasons. People just stick with, you know, there's a lot of people that are crap to us and we just let them hang around way too often and way longer than they should have been in our lives. And I think it's a bit of um, a bit of habit, and I, and I think it's maybe it's a bit hard to get them out. But you've got to have the courage. You can't have these horrible people in your life, these crappy friends in your life. You want to have a friend that's got the same energy exchange as you. They're going to turn up and they're positive. You are both putting in equally into this relationship. That's what you want. I mean, as you get older and with your career and your children and things like that, it, that does get harder, but you can definitely notice the people that are drama and the people that aren't. Stay away from the drama. That is going to drag you and your family down. So stay away from drama. Tribe is vibe. Number 10, we all need to learn to say goodbye. Oh, this is a sad one. And that's why it's the last, because ultimately we all have to say goodbye to everyone, to everything. You know, everything's kind of borrowed. I think learning to say goodbye is like the hardest thing that you will ever do. Maybe you'll never even learn it. I don't think any of us ever truly learn how to do it. We just cope and deal with it. Everything has a shelf life. And this sounds really depressing. I'm so sorry, but it's just true. And that is why all of the other commandments I've given you are so important because ultimately you're going to say goodbye to everyone. You just need to learn to be okay with yourself, with that concept. Learning to say goodbye, even to people that are, you know, I'm not just ultimately talking about people that have died. I'm talking about goodbye in all sorts of senses. I mean, yeah, you've got to learn to say goodbye in that sense as well with death. But There'll be lots of people that will be leaving you way before that as well. You know, like marriages end, friendships end. There's even family members you stop talking to. And then, yeah, there's death. Learning to say goodbye is a trait that you really should get to get to know and get used with. Start to submerge yourself in that thought. I think it will make you more independent and I think it will ground you to the sense that you will start getting off your ass and doing some things. So yes, they are my 10 commandments to live by and you will have a lovely, prosperous life. I also just kind of realized that my last commandment was pretty much how my dad's speech went at my wedding. So thanks for listening, everyone. Take care and hear from me soon. Bye.
Oh, thank you. 